Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Brent Gleason will join us to discuss Embrace the Suck. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world famous question a week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Science show. Well, life will throw constant challenges at us, but the way we choose to face those may be entirely up to us. Joining us today to discuss this issue is Mr. Brent Gleason. Mr. Gleason is a Navy SEAL combat veteran, award winning entrepreneur, Forbes contributor, and the author of Talking Point 10 Fail Sales Principles for Leading Through Change. He has penned the new book, Embrace the Suck The Navy SEAL Way to an Extraordinary Life. And Mr. Gleason, thank you so much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Uh, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. A very timely book in which you talk about embracing the challenges, why you decided to write the book. <laughs> yeah, interestingly, going into this project, I didn't realize uh, what 2020 would become. So I guess selfishly, the timing of the book <laughs> is probably pretty timely. In my first book, Taking Point, that book is about, obviously, uh, leadership, culture, organizational transformation, basically leading through change. And those principles actually probably apply now more than ever due to the, the new complexities that uh, the whole world is facing, especially in the world of business. And with what we do with my company at Taking Point Leadership, we're a leadership and organizational development consulting firm. Really, when you're developing leaders of a team or of an organization, it really starts with personal transformation. So I was inspired to really do more research and identify some of the attributes that uh, are required for developing resilience and grit and mental fortitude as it intertwines with much of what we teach to executives and leaders and large organizations all over the world. I started looking into the self-help genre, which I'd never really read any self-help books or self-improvement books. And what I found was interesting because, you know, a lot of it seemed to me kind of like a lot of fluff, not a lot of actionable insights. Uh, and so I wanted to take a counterintuitive approach to, you know, a more current take on developing mental fortitude, resilience, planning better, executing better, and being more intentional in how we engage in the fine art of comfort zone expansion. A lot of this is derived from the Navy SEAL attitude about embracing pain. Is this level of fortitude, resilience, something that anybody can achieve? Well, it is. And, there, and there's a lot of, obviously, research and behavioral science and psychology that goes into, you know, the question of, you know, resilience and fortitude. Do we have it? Do we not have it? Are we born with it? Can we develop it? And I argue that, of course, that resilience is like any muscle, that it takes intentional practice to continue to uh, develop that and, and create more of a growth mindset as opposed to a fixed mindset. Whether you're talking about becoming a SEAL or a Green Beret or getting into Harvard or medical school or battling cancer or saving a, a business or a marriage, uh, all these principles really apply across the board into how we can lean into adversity and pain and suffering and find enlightenment and find insight and how we can uh, use those tools to you know, really drive transformation and be in a constant state of improvement in our own lives, both personally and professionally. 
in the research for the book, I, you know, I uncovered some interesting dichotomies between the different you know, cultures around the world, whereas Eastern cultures tend to see, you know, pain, suffering, anxiety, you know, life's inevitable obstacles as uh, imperative for growth, uh, imperative for, for development, continuing down that meandering path towards enlightenment, whereas in Western cultures, we tend to, <laughs> you know, seek pleasure, avoid pain, shy away from it, uh, medicate it. Uh, we don't talk about it. And, uh, and when it does hit us, which it always does, it seems to be uh, more of a impactful blow than when we can prepare our mind and body for the inevitable life ambushes that we all face from the day we're born to the day we go on to something better. These challenges are always going to come along, and maybe the way we view things, either embrace the challenges that are there or shy away from them, determine what we do with it. But how is it then that change your point of view about the things that come towards you? Well, it's about being more intentional in how we take stock of our, our current situation. I mean, obviously, this year uh, over the past nine months is a perfect example of one of those life situations that nobody had a contingency plan for. You know, in my first book and this book, I talk a lot about, you know, proper planning and having a clear and concise objective and contingency plans. And nobody really had a contingency plan for COVID-19, for coronavirus, and understanding the uh, mental, emotional, physical, and financial impacts that that this would have. I mean, it's a historical event. You know, we tend to fall back to those sayings of, well, when this is over and, you know, when things go back to normal, things won't go back to normal. There's a lot of things that have happened over the past nine months that are wrapped in permanency. But again, it, it kind of goes back to how Sun Tzu said, you know, find uh, opportunity amidst the chaos, really changing the narrative in our minds about what true adversity really is and getting out there and talking to others and engaging in mentorship and understanding that, First of all, somebody always has it worse than you do. Uh, one thing we've interestingly found, especially within the ranks of the military and, and veterans, uh, as many know, the, you know, the suicide rate for veterans right now is astronomical. It's higher than it's ever been in the history of America. It's 20 to 22 veterans a day uh, that we're losing to suicide due to post-traumatic stress. And one thing that's interesting that I've seen uh, amongst that, just using this as an example, of course, is people that I know, good friends of mine, teammates, who have been severely injured, have been through catastrophic, highly traumatic events in their lives in combat on the battlefield. Uh, they're some of the most happy, fulfilled, <laughs> inspirational people that I know. And they do that because they give to causes greater than themselves. And, and research actually shows that volunteerism, for example, is a great way to help change that narrative around what adversity is and what suffering really is, because we make it about someone else as opposed to ourselves. It goes, kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier around resilience being like a muscle, something you have to work at. And you don't gain, for example, physical resilience and an increased level of, of fitness and uh, physical capability without pain and suffering. It's part of it, but it's the type of pain that signifies growth. And that's the same thing with developing emotional intelligence or emotional maturity or psychological resilience. We have to go through uh, these types of things. And all of us, of course, you know, face different levels of suffering throughout our lives. And there's, you know, what I talk about in the book is two different types of suffering. There's suffering, obviously, that we don't choose, uh, that obviously will impact us either way. And there's suffering that's purposeful. Uh, that's required for the achievement of specific goals or developing relationships or furthering our career or, again, giving to causes greater than ourselves. Uh, any lofty goal in life exists beyond our comfort zone. So, uh, you know, one of the overarching philosophies in the book is being intentional in how we expand our comfort zone by 
purposefully pursuing things that make us uncomfortable, but those things that are critical for growth and the achievement of goals uh, that we have set for our lives. Choose what you want to strive at, put yourself in situations, push out your comfort zone and work at failing in a way. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, there's, there's two ways to look at failure. I mean, true failure is when we hit one of those inevitable obstacles, a shortcoming, you know, a, a failed endeavor, and we stop moving forward. We, we don't take stock of that situation. We don't learn from it. We don't apply it to growth and development. That's failure. But all of us seek failure. You know, we have this you know, tendency these days, especially with social media and, you know, all the information out there to be inspired by people with great, quote unquote, success. Yet what people fail to realize is that all those people that we see out there who've achieved so much, whatever your definition of success is, you know, their road to success is riddled with pockmarks of what I call micro failures. You know, the inevitable obstacles we face, the, the, the blockages, uh, the threats to, uh, to forward progress. And it's about how we become adaptive, how we develop that growth mindset, how we look at those failures as opportunities for, for learning. Uh, just the same thing in the special operations community. One of the things that, that really impacts our learning culture is how we do after action reviews or debriefs, which we do for everything. Training, real world scenarios, we're always looking at what happened, what went right, what went wrong, how can we do it better? Any person in any walk of life can apply the same philosophies into, you know, debriefing with ourselves and being, what have I learned from this situation, whether it's a, a, a big win or a catastrophic loss. Not only realizing what you did wrong, but then executing, making those changes and paving the road for, for future success. Yeah. And it really comes back to, you know, the, I wrapped the book up with the, you know, the chapter of, you know, the, <laughs> that we're all going to die. So you better get off your ass and execute and Stephen Covey and his seven habits of highly effective people. Number two is live with the end in mind, think with the end in mind, behave with the end in mind. It's up to us to manage that list of regrets that we will have the day we go over the great divide and pass on from this short life. Uh, it really is up to us. Uh, obviously, there's going to be things that are out of our control. But if we can maintain focus on what is in our control and actively manage that list of regrets by making better decisions or limiting our choices, uh, living by our defined set of values, if we have defined them, which we should, and, and avoiding temptation, then when that time comes, uh, you, you won't have to say, gosh, I wish I had done this. I wish I had said that. I wish I had mended that relationship or I wish I had taken that risk. It's up to us. It's, it's a matter of planning for tomorrow today. What do you find are some bigger stumbling blocks in terms of embracing this view? One of the biggest stumbling blocks, and this is in any walk of life, not just in SEAL training, which we've, we've the Naval Special Warfare community has actually invested millions of dollars and years of research and data trying to identify, for example, the, you know, the cognitive, emotional, physical attributes of students more likely to successfully navigate our training pipeline, which is arguably the most challenging special operations program and selection process in the world. And uh, what we've found is uh, not quite the narrative that people might think of, you know, uh, <laughs> academic excellence and star athletes and, and things like that, which of course fitness and intellect are critically important because uh, it's very challenging just to be accepted into the program. But it really centers around the less measurable data points of grit, resilience, and a deep passion and emotional connection to the idea of service and not just in the military, but service as a seal. The same thing that we see with, you know, in business organizations, you know, your highest performing employees, for example, 
or, or, you know, people who are out there that are achieving great things, it's because they have a passion and an emotional connection to what they're trying to accomplish. And it's the passion and connection to that vision uh, that carries them through the, the most arduous times. Uh, so that applies to any person in any walk of life and any goal they're trying to pursue and for their personal and professional goals, passion and connection and a purpose far exceed uh, the, their intellect, uh, their talent, you know, their genius, uh, just like, you know, Calvin Coolidge and one of his great quotes is, you know, nothing in the world takes the place of persistence, you know, talent won't genius won't and so on and so on. So 99% perspiration, 1% inspiration, right? <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> sort of a connection to deeper values in a way, deeper passions, make all the other travails that come along the way fall aside. I mean, if you're sort of focused on a big goal, then you wind up having a, a clear path in mind. Yeah, exactly. And it's where we fall short, and this applies to me or all of us, is, is when we kind of lose sight of that initial passion and vision of what we're trying to uh, connect to. You see this in individual goals. You know, I've, I've you know, um, built three companies now and have had uh, all different types of employees and teams. And what I found, what I found a passion for is not necessarily the specific industries, those businesses, but building teams and you know, studying and refining people practices and building a culture that's designed to you know, create desired outcomes and, and winning results. But it's pretty complex burden of command to keep everybody in a team or an organization emotionally connected to what you're trying to accomplish. You know, in most companies, and this is not my opinion, but studies show that, for example, in a team, you only have really about a third of the team is truly engaged where the rest of the people are sort of disengaged or you have your actively disengaged. So the disengaged is kind of along for the ride. And then the actively disengaged are more of your agitators, but it's, uh, it's, it's challenging not just to keep ourselves you know, motivated and inspired all the time, just because of, you know, life and distractions and all the complexities that we deal with, especially, you know, this year now more than ever, but then keeping other people uh, engaged, inspired and motivated is um, quite a challenge, but something I've, you know, I found a passion for at least attempting to. Well, I mean, the book is filled with a lot of great advice. We're running slightly out of time though. I'm curious if you have some advice that you would have places they can go to learn more about this work. Sure. You know, the, the final piece of advice I would share is that uh, because of the time in this book and where we are right now, because of the year that we've had, uh, you know, I, I encourage people not to think of, well, January 1st or 2021, things are going to be better. It's really more about ongoing and permanent lifestyle transformations. The idea of New Year's resolutions is racked in mediocrity. Uh, people don't stick to that kind of stuff. It's about continually trying to improve ourselves, continually trying to change the narrative in our minds about what adversity is and trying to always be in a constant state of improvement. So that's really what the book is about. You know, it's about making these small incremental decisions and choices to overcome adversity, make, make better decisions and really define the path of the life that we want now, as opposed to just letting life throw its inevitable obstacles at us. So um, really appreciate your time. Uh, social media wise, I can be found on Instagram, Brent underscore Gleason, which is G-L-E-E-S-O-N. Uh, professionally, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. And our company website is takingpointleadership.com. We were just talking with Mr. Brent Gleason. The new book is entitled Embrace the Suck, the Navy SEAL Way to an Extraordinary Life. And Mr. Gleason, thank you so much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Uh, thanks so much. It was a pleasure to be here. 
And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.groks.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.